Hello, and welcome to F1 with my uncle, episode 10, where we covered the Singapore Grand Prix weekend. The main discussion topic this week was the 2023 calendar, which is 24 races long, believe it or not. And we just kind of look at that and discuss what we think of the 24 races. Do we think there should be fewer? Is 24 enough? Is that fine? And uh, it was an interesting discussion for sure. And at the end, we actually debuted a brand new segment that after how this one went, we should be keeping. Uh, it's called The Hot Seat, where one of us asks the other a question we haven't discussed ahead of time. This one was actually really fun, and we both really enjoyed it a lot. We were discussing the uh, history of the teams. So uh, if that's interesting to you, be sure to stick around for that. So without further ado, here is the episode. I hope you enjoy. Well, F1 with my uncle is back on the air, boys. <laughs> we took a bit of a hiatus, and uh, we kind of rethought how we wanted the format to be, and we're also now on podcasting platforms. So we also will be uploading to YouTube just to have it on there, but for the most part, we'll be on Spotify, iTunes, all the major platforms from here on, and we will be taking more of a discussion of general topics approach rather than specifically about the race weekend though we still will cover each race weekend as it happens because i mean you would wouldn't you but this last weekend was uh the singapore grand prix and it was quite an eventful weekend with rain all throughout and we uh we had sergio perez take the win which was very impressive followed by charles leclerc and carlos Sainz rounding out the podium Max had a really difficult day, and Russell, surprisingly, didn't finish in the top five for the first time all year. So, Dan, where do you want to dive in? Well, yeah. Hey, Matt. Number one, glad, glad to be back. <laughs> and I yeah. I think we, uh, I like our new format. I think we, yeah. uh, you know, we always, we're always going to approach F1 from an American fan perspective. For sure. And I think one of our goals is to cover material that's not often covered on F1 type channels. You know, we usually have a slightly different perspective on things as opposed to the garden variety synopsis. So our listeners can stay tuned for that sort of content as well. Um, as far as the race goes, you know, just being uh, nitpicky here, I might question whether or not, I mean, clearly uh, Max had a bad day. But I think Max is always going to have a bad day on a track like Marina Bay in Singapore. That uh, track absolutely is the opposite of what he excels at. And this yeah. shows this shows the genius of Red Bull. <laughs> this kind yeah. of track plays into uh, Perez's hands perfectly. This is where yeah. he excels. So it's like they can't lose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, honestly... Like, one side yeah. of the garage is going to struggle, but that's okay because the other side of the garage is going to excel. Exactly. So Exactly. Yeah. And that's what, to me, was most impressive about about the weekend. I mean, Perez, yeah. you know, let's face it. Perez drove, um, you know, the race of his, uh, certainly of the season, probably of his career. He, Yeah, I can't think of a more impressive drive I've seen from him. Like, no. it was unbelievable start to finish. He didn't put a wheel wrong. He didn't. He at one point he very briefly locked up one of his tires that didn't even flat spot, and that was the only mistake he made all race. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was, and that was in the it was wet, so impressive. and it wasn't that big a deal. And yeah, 
but he you know the thing is he never had a lead and there's a that lot of tracks true. there's a lot of tracks and what what we mean by that is he was never like you know, 45 seconds ahead of Leclerc or anything. That just right. never happened. He had Leclerc. Yeah, he literally had Leclerc on his tail the entire race. The entire race. And yeah. and if he, you know, I think in the beginning one time he had might have had like a nine-second lead, but then that was a race by a safety car, and he never had that sort of lead. Yeah. Again. So, um, and, you know, that can't be overstated. You know, we there's we've been to a lot of tracks where they go, well, it's difficult to pass here, and that wasn't the case. This track clearly is the most difficult track to pass on number that we've seen. So uh, I think I think I'd say my, Monaco would probably be the only one that's worse. But I don't that's think kinda... so. I uh, I don't know. There was act well. There was more passing in Monaco, and that was a but. That's another race that Perez won. Yeah. So it, it yeah. shows that this is his kind of race. It shows how important being in the top three starters it really is. Yeah. Mainly the yeah. top two. Um. I think since, you know, just my guess is that Leclerc had a faster car, but not fast enough to pass Perez. If Leclerc had beat Perez to the first corner, I think Leclerc could have won the race as long as he didn't put a wheel wrong and Ferrari didn't make any mistakes. So I think that's possible. The only yeah. the only thing I would say is different or, or might go against that is in the closing stages where they were both on the same compound of slicks. Perez was able to pull out a, like, what, eight-second lead near enough over the course of about 10 laps? Well, at, at that point, we don't we don't know if Ferrari was resigned to second place and they didn't want to push it and take a That's chance fair. on going into the wall. I mean, you know, but... Well, they, they told Leclerc to get the, the giddy-up to be within five seconds of Perez, and he seemed unable to do that. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah, they could have had more tire degradation on the slicks than, you know, that That's they true. did on the yeah. enters. That's it's possible, but yeah. generally speaking, I think Leclerc would have. I think he had a faster car, and I think he would have had such a lead built up over the course of the race because it is a long race that he probably would have been yeah. okay even with a little degradation at the end. Yeah. Um, and who knows? You know, like if Prez was playing catch up, but but that's you know hyperbole. I mean, or not not sure. wrong word here, but that's hypothetical. So there's no point in, um, you know, even talking about it at length. But I think that, but the key is that still pressure, 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 you know, poor Perez never got a moments of peace. <laughs> the track. Yeah, he never had a break. The track <laughs> itself was, you know, H-E double hockey sticks the whole time. And, and he had Perez right on his tailpipe, as you were saying. So. Yeah, like they there were so there was so much talk around because we haven't been to Singapore in a couple of years, right? right? And so there was so much talk around how absolutely grueling the conditions are. Yeah, it's at night, but it's still extremely humid and plenty hot, and it's the longest race on the calendar right. by right. a lot. And so it, it's like it's it's so tough just to run the race, let alone do so without mistakes, let alone and we saw mistakes all over the place, all up and down yeah. the grid, but not from Perez, crucially. And that I think that that just even more accentuates how brilliant a drive he put yeah. in. In the on the most difficult race of the year, he was flawless. It's like it's incredible. Oh yeah. And we have to and we should probably explain a little bit as to why this track did not suit Max. I think it's fairly sure. yeah, yeah, you yeah. know it it's fairly clear that Max loves a loose car. 
and he likes to move the back end around. He likes to slide the card, yeah. and he's really good at that. Like he's great at that yeah. on normal turns. That's how he gets. He 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 breaks late. He slides the car, and he maintains control. This track required um, earlier braking, very 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 careful negotiation of turns, and every time Max came out of one of these really tight you know 90 degree turns yeah literally like a street circuit you know like you go down to third street mm -hmm. and make a left on apple you know the, these streets had that kind mm -hmm. of those kind of corners that every time that happens perez it suited his style you know he he would break carefully and then slowly apply the uh the accelerator and matt uh, max just throws on the power and then he was always you know knocking the back end over then having to back out go back in back you know that's hard on the tires it burns more fuel probably what partially affected him in qualifying as well yeah and and that um under normal conditions that probably would have worked okay at that yep. track but with it being wet you have like no grip rear end grip mm -mm. And so you, you couple that with then like Perez's strength. And this is something that Peter Windsor goes on, has talked about a lot, which is that Perez is like the king of exiting slow corners. Right. And Singapore is nothing but slow corners pretty right. much. And it, it's just, it's exactly his kind of track. And I think yeah. the other point I wanted to make and see if you agree with me on this, but I don't think okay. any conclusions can be drawn. This track is so different. And due to the conditions and the track itself, you know, people are going to be tempted to say, oh, Ricardo's back or, you know, you know, McLaren <laughs> is now clearly going to eclipse Alpine in the constructors. Chance. I don't think any of those things can be determined from this race. This race is a one off um, every race, at least the next three. I know for a fact are Red Bull Max first stop and tracks. So um, that being uh, Japan, Austin, and Mexico, those tracks, uh, those I mean, Max said, you know, he uh, he had the pole in Mexico last year. He had he um, he won Austin last year, and I think he won Suzuka as well. So um, yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. S Singapore is a true proper street circuit, and I'm trying to look back through the calendar, and yes, there's other courses that take place on streets so to speak but they but don't have the different. same kind of characteristics yeah <laughs> no yeah they don't have the fast corners you know like right. it, this one just doesn't have the fast corners and, yeah and so to, um, to me it's the yeah. only race it's the only track like it and yeah. it also is a high attrition circuit i mean we saw almost a, like what a third of the field dns well, six six dns yeah. that's a lot that's so it's lot. it's yeah. kind of like that and then and then um like for Ricardo specifically, I think he got lucky more than anything. Um, well, with the, yeah, the timing the, of the, the safety car, again, it's just the the track suited McLaren. Now Norris was probably always going to be in the top ten. Yeah, Ricardo yeah. normally wouldn't be, but he was in this case because yeah. the track suited his style of driving and his car. But you can't draw any conclusions as to the rest of the season for Ricardo based on this race. Yeah, I completely so. agree. Like, if you look at the the remaining races, um, I think uh, Abu Dhabi is the only one that's at all similar. And even then, it's got a lot of different characteristics. But yeah. all of the others, yeah. Japan, the uh, Coda, Circuit of the America, Mexico, and Brazil are all right. like Red Bull Max tracks, as you said. And so, yeah, I don't, I, I agree. Uh, to and answer your question, I agree with you. <laughs> he just needs another win or two to mathematically eliminate everybody else. Yeah. So, and he's got, you know, unless. 
I mean, you know, it's not over until it's over, as they that say. That is true. That that is that is. I mean, stranger things have happened, but you know, we're talking we're talking the the difference between possibility and probability. I mean, yeah, many 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 things are possible, but the probabilities are almost infinitely tiny. So, you know, the there there's always a possibility Max will not you know yeah. uh, clinch the constructors or the drivers championship but the probability is like maybe 5%. <laughs> yeah, but how how crazy would it be if we get to Mexico which is in, in only 3 races and Perez still has a decent shot of getting the title. That would be great. Well, you know, I think you're going to see actually in Austin there are a lot of uh you know, Mexican Americans in Texas, or just Mexicans here. visiting. Like when we were there last year, I was blown away. So many Mexicans that were there. Yeah, exactly. That yeah, you and I. The, yeah, we were there. Right, the people behind us. I think were from even Central America or something. Yeah, when we when we when I because you you didn't, but when when I and the rest of the crowd rushed the field or the, right. the track at the um at, at the end during the the podium ceremony i was in a sea of mexicans and they were all singing their 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 uh, i don't know the name of the song but whatever it is that that they that they sing and i was like it was great it was an excellent atmosphere and that's only yeah. like a, a microcosm of what would happen at mexico right. um so <laughs> no it was a it was a very festive environment in, absolutely coded last year it was really yeah it was it was very very good so yeah i just think that would be wild if we get to mexico and Perez potentially has a chance still. But again, like again, I don't think, unfortunately, Checo doesn't have the type of driving skills to do well in Suzuka or Coda. Because, again, we're drawing conclusions from, yeah. you know, from this race, if we even think that. So it would be cool. Just but let I think... me have some fun for a minute, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have to bring logic back in. <laughs> but that's I, yeah. that's what I'm tr- kind of getting us and other people that it might be listening to guard against, you know. Yeah, because yeah. because no, then true. when it doesn't happen, you don't know why it didn't happen. Like, well, why this race? Yeah. And so I'm just giving context for that no that, think, that's an excellent point so yeah okay good and well so, made so yeah yeah all right so what else do we have to talk about with this race? well do we want to get into we've talked about it a bit but do you want to get into why max had such a bad day or is that too much to I, get into <laughs> i think we covered i think we covered the fact that it's just he made mistakes and he doesn't make mistakes at other tracks and he yeah. he and it didn't suit his driving style. He made mistakes. Uh, he started eighth, which was horrible on a track like this that really is hard to pass on. Yeah, um, and that doesn't suit his driving style, which is interesting. Um, I think so. I think we kind of covered that. You know, he um, well, and then he he made mistakes. Like as soon as, you know, every time he seemed to be getting ahead, he would knock himself back. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I think the only thing that we need to mention else about um, Max was just the reason why he started in eighth, which, of course, was during qualifying. He he ended up doing um, during the last the, the Q Q3, the, the last right. qualifying session. He was fueled for the entire rest of the, the session. So was Perez. So was everybody pretty much. Right. But he had um, he was he had enough fuel for two hot laps. And he did two, and the first two that he did, he backed out of. 
because he made a mistake towards the end and he wasn't going to get a good time anyway. Well, or, the first or the first one he had to back out of because of traffic, and the second okay. one he made a mistake. And then the second one he made a mistake, and so then he was going to do a third one, and it's it's such a long long circuit that you just he just didn't have the fuel and so and he's he, and he burns more fuel by the nature of his driving style sure because yeah he's, he's spinning the tires and yeah and so it, yeah. i was looking at it initially and like i was even texting you about this i was like well we even had a phone call about it because i was like what the heck happened why why is red bull making a mistake but the more right. i've <laughs> looked into it and heard other perspectives it was a max error for backing out of two two laps and it yeah. wasn't really a Red Bull error because they gave Perez presumably the same amount of fuel and he was fine. Yeah, so. it wasn't it wasn't a, a strategic error, as yeah. one of our presidents might have said. It was <laughs> it was it was not it really wasn't. Red Bull has to run a tight ship. They can't put too yeah. much fuel in because then they're working at cross purposes with uh, getting on pole. So it's really, they put in the right amount of fuel to give Max the best chance. But at that point, Max has to uh, deliver. He has to come through with the tools he's given, the car and the fuel. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and he and he didn't do it. He made mistakes. And because this track is going to, for, is going to kind of bring the mistakes out of him. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. And, you know, the only other thing I think we haven't talked about was um, the fact that Lewis you know this was his best chance between now and the end of the season to win a race yeah not to just be on the podium but to win this was his best chance yeah he started and third so he like he went for it i yeah. mean all through qualifying and the race and he drove as hard as he could and you know what's interesting is even on this track that suits his style being you know tight corners and wet mm -hmm. track that um you know Science was way behind Leclerc. Science did not have the car that Leclerc did, which is kind of a surprise, you know, after practice and qualifying. But Science was like a, quite a ways behind, you know, um, Perez and, and uh, Leclerc. But Lewis couldn't get past Science the whole race. Yeah. Lewis didn't have, you know, he simply didn't have the car the, to even be able to pass um, Carlos Science. And Science was way behind, you know, so like, yeah, Perez and Leclerc kind of walking off as a pair. They were by far the quickest. Yeah. And Sainz didn't have the car to keep up with those guys. And Lewis couldn't pass Sainz. So Lewis was clearly fourth, you yeah. know, in this race. But it was Lewis driving his heart out and being yeah. fourth. So his chances are, you know, he's, it, I think it would take a miracle for him to win a race before the end of the season which would mean it's the first season he's ever gone winless. Yeah. Um, At some point, we're going to have an entire discussion topic about him and kind of his future. And I'm very much yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me too. But, so we, we can, but we're talking about Singapore. So but we'll just yeah. Say yeah. That. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's true though. I mean, you look at the rest of the calendar and they're just, I mean, maybe Abu Dhabi, they have a shot, but like the rest of them, it's, it's, they're not track suited to the current Mercedes car. And right. so he he had one shot and got passed by. I think if he didn't get passed by Carlos on the on the start, there's potentially a chance he could have hung with Leclerc. But I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's one of those we'll That's never possible. know situations. And it's it, I, I would think it's possible. But even if he was but I think he would have been had he should have been challenging science the way that 
Leclerc was challenging Perez and he really wasn't, you know, through well, the second half of the race. Through the second half. Yeah. I mean, for a while he was right on his butt, but yeah, yeah after a while that he did kind of fall back, but yeah, you can't, you can't keep that going, but yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but, you know, again, it's one of these hypotheticals, maybe yeah. he could have, but um, it would have, but I think if he had, I think what you could safely say is if he had gotten third, he probably would have kept third. I think he yeah. could have prevented science from overtaking him. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, and then you have Russell. Now he took a power unit, which mm-hmm. put him back on the grid. Okay. Well, speaking uh, of. Yeah. Um, I think we might need to visit Conspiracy Corner this Ooh. early in the, in the episode. Are you putting on the tinfoil hat? This I'm time? putting on a tinfoil hat. I'm the voice of reason. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> yeah. So you, you know, this is going to not go well. I can't um, wait. Okay, so you remember how in the post-qualifying interview that Russell did? Yes. Do you remember what he said? Yeah. I what did. did he say? He 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 said that he hoped that they didn't um, try and let me let me make sure. Uh, they hoped that they didn't try and give him a one-stop strategy. That's what it was. Exactly. And and he, he telegraphed like to the press, what he was hoping Mercedes did not want to do because he clearly didn't feel that that would give him an advantage. Yeah. And I thought, Oh, that's kind of cheeky. I don't think he should be talking about strategy to the press before. Like when you talk about your team as they, that's a rookie mistake. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a rookie mistake, not and good. it's something that he should not have said. And I think my conspiracy, which of course we'll never know, my <laughs> conspiracy is that they decided to give him a new engine only because of that interview. That they may have needed to at some point, but he hasn't taken, right. he hasn't needed any engine penalties all year. Um, and because he started trying to talk about and dictate strategy. Mercedes was like, no, you do what we say. Apart from the team. Exactly, yeah, yeah, to the media, which is like, a, yeah. like you don't do that as a driver. A slap on the wrist. Now, Well, here's the question. Yeah. Would, would they have done that at the risk of winning or getting second place in the Constructors' Championship? That is a good point. Being that oh so man, why do you got to poke holes in my theories? Well, the funny <laughs> thing is, I thought the same thing as you. Yeah. When I, when I tuned in and found out he had taken a power unit, was stuck back on the grid. I'm going, they slapped him on the wrist. <laughs> yeah, like that. That wasn't that the whole the whole reason I thought that is because they never mentioned once that they would be replacing anything on his car, and well, only until after qualifying or after, yeah. and and he made those comments. Right. Now, so. clearly, when he did the post-quality interview, he hadn't talked to the team because that was kind of evident from the comment he made. Yeah. But it could be that the uh, the telemetry that came off the car during quality said, oh, we got a problem here. We need to, you know, this isn't going to be good for the race because that it's such a demanding course um, that the best chance for him would be to take a power unit or, you know, you're not going to do well with this power unit. So... We might as well take the hit now because we're going to lose anyway. Um, you know, but I, I'm, I'm really not time... liking you jumping in here with your facts and logic, sir. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, Captain. of course, that's I'm sure that's what happened. It just struck me as really, yeah. uh, really interesting timing. 
that, that they would do that but it, it probably happened for logical reasons but yeah. i think they enjoyed doing it this time even more because of what yeah. he said <laughs> now yeah. now he did claim that the choice to go to slicks early um in this race was a joint decision because they weren't getting anywhere and they all agreed on it that was his post yeah I, I mean in fairness if he's been in the in the back of the grid the entire race like yeah you you might yeah. as well like he's not right. making progress might as well take a chance and it didn't pay off right. but he probably wasn't going to make progress anyway so it didn't end and, up mattering. and for those of you that go well he finished 14th he wasn't in 20th yeah, fourteenth out of fourteen. <laughs> yeah, fourteen out of fourteen cars left running. So yeah, he doesn't get a break. No, but and this is a problem because now in the constructors championship, wow, you know the uh, Ferrari did really well. They got a bunch of points. Yeah, let me so. let me run through the top few um, uh, standings right now. Yeah, please do. Um, so yeah, we're talking about constructors. So let's let's talk about constructors. Red Bull um, extended their lead with uh, they're currently on five hundred and seventy six points, mm-hmm. and um, Ferrari is now on four hundred and thirty nine. Okay, and Mercedes is on three hundred and seventy three. So okay, yeah, Mercedes their their um, gap to Ferrari was pretty significantly extended because yeah what i mean lewis finished what let me see he finished ninth so for two points and then uh with russell out of the points and then both ferraris on the podium like yeah yeah so second third that may have just done in their entire chances of getting second this year yeah because they're going they're a third place car all things being equal yeah if both ferraris finish and both red bulls finish you know the best that they can hope for is um fifth place yeah the only time that they now and it's happened several times but when mm-hmm. they finish higher it's because one of the two yeah uh, red bull or ferraris had to take a power unit and they have grid penalties or or know, ferrari pulls some, a ferrari right ferrari pulls a ferrari or there's some kind of mechanical yeah and, you know like a dnf or something or a puncture that puts them back in the field but if yeah. both cars run well and there's um no glaring you know strategy errors then you know uh, mercedes is clearly the third place car this year Mm -hmm. so that's Mm -hmm. good yeah that's gonna happen well speaking of ferrari pulling a ferrari just briefly they didn't pull a ferrari (laughs) this time (laughs) no apparently clowns don't work at night so Um, the, clown, uh, the clown the clown show is a daytime job apparently so they <laughs> i'm sorry but you know i i held out for him but once i turned i turned so yeah <laughs> hey i called it earlier <laughs> i called it before anyone else i'll have you know i'm gonna take credit yeah. for that i That's said just, very yeah, early I, on I in the season for him. i stuck up for him you but, did you know, and you it, were wrong <laughs> Well, you know, it's like I don't, I don't, you know, think I. You gotta, you gotta support the team, you know. Yeah, <laughs> if I know. You've been I know. a fan for a long time, but yeah. But it's like, but once you do turn, then it's like, oh, you're yeah. you're done. I'm gonna mock you every week. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, they they did not make a mistake again. Unfortunately, you can't you can't take that forward from this race. Yeah. You can't assume that they now have it together. Yeah. Everything's under control. Everything's fine. (laughs) 
I don't. I don't. <laughs> no. I'm not going to assume that means no. they suddenly got it together because this track, it's just by the nature of this darn, this track is so weird. I love this race for that reason, though. Yeah. You know, it's literally, can, it's the wrench it's, in the works of the entire calendar is Singapore. Right. It's a grind. Yeah. And then you had at least two people, um, Daniel Ricardo and somebody else, were training. Um, I think it was science. It was science. It was, it was science. Daniel yeah. Ricardo and science both put like um, exercise machines in saunas. Yeah. And we're exercising in a sauna, you know, in advance of this race to get used to, yeah. you know, the physical demand under a high humidity, high temperature environment. I thought that was genius. You know, to me, anybody who didn't do that wasn't trying hard enough. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when they knew other, when they knew other people were doing it, that's the kind of thing professionals do, honestly, yeah. is yeah. they will go to the extra effort. Um, and it, and you know, they were reward. Both those guys were rewarded at the end of the race with, yeah. you know, good finishes. So you can't say it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Third for signs, uh, fifth yeah. for Ricardo. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's, you know, it's very interesting. Well, before we stray too far from the current points standings, I also want to mention that now McLaren is once again, ahead of Alpine in the constructors. McLaren is on 129 points and Alpine is on 125. So it's still very close, but yep. both Alpines DNF'd due to their engines blowing up and both McLarens finished fourth and fifth, which is extremely impressive. So yeah, again, I, as you were saying, as you've been saying all along, I don't think we can take any conclusions from this and I expect no. Alpine to come back and then take fourth, but it's still. I, I it's think still the highest probability is Alpine will beat McLaren, you know, in yeah. the constructors' championship at the end of the day. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, quite uh, quite fascinating. It it does suck though because um, it was Alonso's three hundred and fiftieth race, and yeah, yeah, and he didn't even make it halfway, and that's just unfortunate. That was sad. It was sad, but yeah, that's F one. It happens. That is F one. And so the top five of the drivers' standings is uh, the the order. I don't believe has changed, but the points distribution is a little bit different. So I'll run through that yeah. very quickly. You have sure. Max Verstappen obviously still in first. He's on three hundred and forty-one points. Leclerc is on two hundred and thirty-seven. Perez is on two hundred and thirty-five. So only two points behind Leclerc. And then Russell in fourth still is on two hundred and three with Carlos Sainz. 202 so carlos is one point behind russell right now so interesting stuff anything else you want to cover about the weekend or move on to the main discussion for the day no i, I think we're good i think we covered it i think we're ready to move on cool all right well so the main point of discussion for today is the fia within the last i guess week uh they published the uh confirmed schedule barring any unforeseen circumstances, for next year. And it is a 24-race calendar. So uh -huh. what are you uh, What are you thinking about that? Um, well, I, I have heard some complaints about it. I, you know, some people say it's too many races, and you and I were discussing it. You yeah. were kind of initially of that camp. Oh, I still am, by the way. <laughs> you, you still are. Yeah. So, you know, what? what I think is, here's my take on it. Um, what happens is anytime you introduce change to a system, it, whoever can pivot to embrace that change 
the quickest and with the least amount of frustration is, are the those are the people that capitalize on it and yeah. actually succeed through it. And so in order to win in Formula One, change is a constant. So you're True. never going to benefit yourself by complaining about change unless you think you have a real chance of changing the FIA's mind, which occasionally happens. It's not common. Um, you know, they're not perfect. They get things wrong sometimes. And, yeah. and uh, if enough of the teams raise the raise an issue, they'll back off. But in this case, you know, it's like, yeah, it probably means that they're going to have to put less effort than they are now into some of the other venues and some of the other tracks. They're not going to uh, be able to put the same amount of effort in and maintain everybody's energy for a 24 race year. Yeah. You know, they're going to have to pace themselves, in other words, for 24 races. You know, if you have a 20 race season, let's say, and you, you know, and you, you can lay it all on the line in 20 races. And at the end of that, you're like, oh, we didn't, we left it all, you know, mm -hmm. on the stage. We didn't have anything left. Well, if you have four more races, then you're not going to make those kind of efforts in race number 20. Yeah. Effectively, so, you're the, the value of each race is diminished, right. you know? Mm -hmm. And, 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 and then look at what we gain. So this, you know, in 2023, we're gaining a third, you know, 50% increase in the <laughs> number of Formula Ones that they have in uh, America. And I think this is great. You've got Texas in the middle of the country. you got Florida on, on, you know, the East Coast. And now you got Las Vegas, which is, you know, a party atmosphere and is very close to the West Coast. It's like, what, a five or six hour drive from LA yeah. to Vegas. So, like a, what, um, like a two hour plane? Like oh no no even. it's literally like a thirty five minute flight oh well there you it, go <laughs> it's, it, the plane just arcs it's like going from uh, Seattle to Vancouver PC oh know? okay it's just a yeah it's an arc so um yeah I've done that flight so yeah but anyway it's it's one of those things so it's super fast yeah so uh but yeah so I think you know and it, just to give other people a perspective you know like Nevada's not out in the it is out in the middle of nowhere but it really isn't it's very uh, you can easily get there from southern california so yeah um but I you know I like that so and then when they bring in the south african grand prix hopefully in a couple you know like in 2024 2025 Kailami, you know that yeah yeah you know I think I just think there's here here's the deal the um formula 1 the the uh, the interest in and enjoyment of Formula One is growing, which is a great thing. And so more people want to see races. Races are selling out right now. Honestly, Formula One is on the ascension again, which doesn't always happen. True. So I say we need to embrace it and we need to do everything we can to, to allow as many people as possible to enjoy uh, the race, you know, if you look at other sports, you know, um, I guess it's, you know, football. I don't know how many games are in a football season. I don't follow. Well, they recently football. did that in the NFL where they, they had 16 games and they, okay. uh, a couple of years ago, they increased it to 17. Okay. Well, in baseball, it's crazy. It's like there's 162 games. <laughs> yeah. Well, but there was a similar discussion in the NFL. And I, I find it hilarious that we are once again swapping stereotypes that you, the stereotypically curmudgeonly old man, <laughs> is the guy who's embracing change and is all about it. And me, 
the the millennial is being the curmudgeonly old man because I I disagree. Yeah. Like yes, well it's it's you good. Know, it's kind of you're right. It it you know it seems that we're breaking stereotypes at that point. However, comma. It's kind of at your age where you want to know that the things you like are going to stay the same. You know, it's just, it is kind of a weird thing. Yeah, but that's you know, not why wanna... I'm opposed to it. But, okay, but but and by the time you get to my age, if you don't embrace change, you're not alive. No, I'm not that old. But, you know, <laughs> I but mean, I, okay, I, I, fair you know, point. I'm only in my early, I, but the point is, like, I've heard interviews of people that are 100 years old, and they're in their, the key thing that I've taken away is no matter what happens, they don't fight it. They just... They just accept it. So. Yeah. I mean, look, I, am I accepting of the calendar? Of course. I accept that yeah. it's the way it's going to be, but that doesn't mean I have you to like it. You don't want it to take away from the sport. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So let, let me let me say my piece. You have just described over the last eight minutes or so a very compelling case, I think. And I, I okay. don't, on a conceptual level, I can agree with you on, on a certain level. But at okay. the end of the day, I just think... The only reason they're adding more races is for money. And it's like, of course, they're a corporation that is trying to make money. They're going to try to make money. And I don't fault them for that necessarily. But it just doesn't seem like there are other substantive benefits other than the money. And it's like, that makes me somewhat cynical about the decision on, on a certain level. But at, at the at, there's there's other considerations as well. There's the logistics problems. There's the fact that they themselves have been on a crusade, so to speak. <laughs> Maybe that's not the best phrase to use, but I'll but bear with me. They've been they've been on on a crusade, so to speak, about sustainability and renewability and and uh, you know all of these things. And yet we are jumping between continents every month almost. And it's like, is that really what we should be doing? And and not only that, it's a strain on all of the 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 teams. It's a strain on the drivers. They're they're, you know, it's like there's there's so much here to me. That's like it's at some point it's too much. Like and what you know? Do you really think two races makes as much difference? I don't like there being twenty two this year either. I think that I think twenty is wow. like the top end we shouldn't go more than 20 okay so here's here's where i will disagree with you and you okay you initially you 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 based a lot of your not all of it but some of your subsequent explanation on on the presupposition that it, it's all for money so if i can question that presupposition the rest of it might fall except for the um you know the fact that they're you know you know, you didn't use the words. You, you didn't use the word CO two footprint, but you know. Well, but, but that's you're saying yeah. That, that's that what as far as sustainability. And yeah, like yeah. That, that that's a political issue. I prefer to kind of just let everybody have their own opinion on. But, um, but I I think what I'm what the money thing is. There's let's talk about economics. Okay. <laughs> so you know, like I could try and sell you. And, and a 10 year old beat up Timex watch for a thousand dollars. And you're going to go, no, I can go to any store and buy it for like $15 or 20 bucks. Right. So, you know, I can try and get money out of things, but I'm never, but you're not going to pay for it. And generally speaking, I think what the FIA are trying to do is satisfy demand. That's why I brought up the fact that formula one is kind of a ascending in popularity. 
I think what they're trying to do is go to as the greatest lengths they can to satisfy demand. Now, yes, you know, they're going to make money at these venues, but I don't think money is the primary goal. You have to have the, the, the fans have to want to see it. There has to be a demand. And if you happen to have a product and everybody wants it, you're going, you know, it's like, it's kind of one of these things, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to make sure that as many people get your product as possible. Now to the, not to the extent that the uh, quality of the product is suffers. And I totally agree with that, but I don't think now if they extend the year, if they, you know, continue with the summer break, um, you know, I think there's room for it. Like even this year, we have 22 races. It would have been 23, but the, the race in uh, Russia was um, canceled. So that's why we had an extra long break uh, before Singapore. So it's would really only be one more than what we were going to have this year. I think the teams, like the teams are kind of dedicated to the road. And it's like a band that's on tour. You know, they just boom, boom, boom. And they hit town after town after town. Yeah, it is a grind. But they get a nice break in the winter. And that is the nature. These guys are young guys, you know, for the most part. The drivers and the mechanics, they can handle it. And it's fun. This is what they sign up for. Yeah. And I don't know. I just don't think. Like this year, we should have had 23. Next year, it's 24. Yeah. Can it be 30? I doubt it. They'd have to change something. They'd have to make the races shorter, yeah. or they'd have to, they'd have to, you know, in theory, they could group all of the North American races together, do like Canada and the three American races. And Mexico, Mexico and Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. You can do all those together. And then it's, there's not as much continent hopping. Yeah. I, I feel like they should try to, there's, there's problems with that where you run into like weather problems because there's certain, exactly. there's certain tracks that, it's hot in the spring and you, you just can't run it during the summer or it's that the cars won't finish. Um, yeah. It's like NASCAR. Yeah. NASCAR runs Vegas at the end of the year and formula one's going to run Vegas at the end of the year because you don't have to worry about snow. Right. Yeah. Like if you were tried to run Vegas during August, it's like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> like, <laughs> Not going to happen. It'd be yeah. dangerous. Yeah. And the fans wouldn't show up. They would, but then you'd have them passing out from yeah. heat stroke. That's heat stroke is. and all that. So, okay. So, <laughs> Yeah, I um, I let you explain that for okay. for a bit, and and I have some response. I, I think okay. on the one hand, yes, I can on some level, as a fan, every weekend that there isn't a race, I miss it, you know. And I, as a fan, I'm going to enjoy the fact that there's 24 races next year, but it just seems like on a broader scope on a on a bigger picture level it just seems like there's just too much it's it's there's too there's too i personally and maybe we should move in this direction what do we think is the ideal number of races um and like what is the format of that do you think because for me I, I i think 20 is the right number and i think maybe 15 of them should be always on the calendar and then you have five that you can rotate out year to year and I think that would work out really well because then you can maybe not have all three U.S. Grand Prix every year, but you have Coda every year. But then you swap between Miami and Vegas every year or every couple of years or something. Um, and it would allow for more variability. We can we cannot have Imola on the standard calendar, but we can still visit it from time to time. 
you know, things like that. And then that that would potentially allow for some of these other venues like Hockenheim or the Nürburgring that we don't go to and that isn't on the calendar even next year. And it would allow for opportunities to still visit from time to time. Um, I think that would be a lot better than just say 24 races or maybe even 25 that they have talked about, which I don't know that they're going to do, but you know, 24 races that we negotiate and try to keep under contract for extended periods. It's, it's like, I would just rather see fewer overall and then a rotating window, um, or a rotating, uh, selection. Um, so yeah, that's generally what I think the calendar should look like. And I freely admit here that this is, you know, my own opinion. It's not necessarily based in anything factual or, or, you know, quantifiable necessarily. It just kind of seems like a better choice, but I don't know. What do you think? Well, again, you know, I think we each have a different opinion. Um, you know, when I, just to mention, you know, demand is an economic term, not a marketing term. And what I mean by that is there is demand. It's a, it's, it's a, you know, you can kind of, you could look at it marketing term, but what I mean is, you know, there's supply and demand, right? So, and, and there is a lot of demand for Formula One, and the FIA True. is going yeah. to be under pressure to satisfy that demand. Um, but again, you know, and you said you felt 20 races. To me, you know, I don't know how you defend that number specifically. Not you personally, I meant you being anybody. And, and so I think what I'm willing to do is I'm willing to say, okay, let's try 24 and see how it goes. You know what? Um, you know, I could I compromise think... on that. I think I will. I will agree. Okay. I think that's fair. <laughs> we can see how it goes. It it might be a sprint race situation, right? When the sprints were first announced, I was very much like, "This is dumb. Why are we doing this?" Oh, right. And I, I and you thought they, they were cool, cool. exactly. And and, we and yet, them. when they started to happen, I was like, "Okay, they are exciting." I have to. I have to concede. <laughs> the sprints are fine. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's true. And you're good about that. And hopefully, if it. Yeah, honestly, if it takes away from the race, I'll be the first guy to go. Eh, I agree with you. We should stick it like twenty. So yeah, so um, we'll see. I I'll, guess time I'll will tell. Okay, all right, all right. So what's next on the agenda? Well, we've been going on for quite a bit, so I think we can wrap it up with the brand new segment, the <laughs> hot seat. <laughs> the hot seat. Yeah. And so this is where one of us asks the other one a question that we have not discussed in advance and yes. put them on the hot seat and then maybe have a little discussion around it. Yeah. So the the whole point is to kind of talk through and kind of talk off, you know, fly by the seat of your pants, so to speak, and see okay. where we can get. So this week, I'm asking the questions, uh, or the question, singular. All right. Hit me. All right. <laughs> so my question to you, sir, is... Yes, sir? Other than Ferrari... Uh-huh. Which team that is that is currently owned by the 10 that we have today? So which team has been around the longest as a as a team, not necessarily as owned by the current management, right? So like Ferrari hasn't changed hands. They've been around for forever. But right, like because they're, yeah. they're a manufacturer, but what you're getting at is like Mercedes brought it from, bought it from Braun, so they've right. been around not that And so long. that Mercedes, Braun, I think Honda team, like that has been around for a certain amount of time. So which of the current teams that's currently on the grid has been around the longest other than Ferrari? Interesting question. I'm going to go with McLaren. McLaren? I'm Interesting. 
McLaren's been around in different forms for quite a while. That may not be it. Let me think about this. I got to think about it. Um, it could be AlphaTauri because they existed in other forms previously, going back quite a ways. I mean, so what, you know, what am I, where my mind's going, I, here's what I'm thinking. I'm going back. Okay. We had at one point in time, like back in the seventies, who did people race for, you know, and we had Jaguar, you know, which was taken over by who Ford for a while. And then whoever, you know, they're connected and then it goes on and on. Then you had Lola, you had all these teams, you had teams that it just like, that nobody would recognize now that we're only around for a season or two. Um, and team names that you go, Oh yeah, that kind of sounds race car ish, you know, they where <laughs> they may have done things in, in other venues other than formula one. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm thinking McLaren is a possibility because they've existed in different forms. So I'm going to pick two. I'm going to say, I'm now I want to think about this because Here's my mental process. I'm looking at Aston Martin that was, you know, Force India. And where did that come from? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to remember because all these teams, you know, so they were Aston Martin and then they were whatever they were, the BWT after. Racing Point, then Force India. Yeah, Racing Point and then Force yeah. India. And then they, but they originally came from something else. Uh, Williams has been Williams for a long time, too. Yeah, they've best I could tell, since... they've been Williams the entire time. And that's from the late 70s to now. So what you're asking is, does a team other than Williams go back beyond like 78, yeah. 79? That's when Williams was formed, I think. So in that case, ooh, uh, why do you ask me such hard questions? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's the hot seat, man. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. I, I'm going to... I'm going to say, I'm going to go with, I'm going to pick three and then I'll, no, come on. Three's I, I'm going to pick three and then I'm going to rank the uh, rank. Them okay. 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 I'm going to go alpha Tari and then I'm going to go. Um, I think I'll go ahead and go with Aston Martin and then I will go with McLaren and I'm going to race. I'm actually going to rank them in that order. So McLaren Al- being the oldest uh, no, or the no, no, youngest? No. I'm going to say AlphaTauri being the oldest. Oh, I'm going to rank them like that's my first guess. AlphaTauri is guess number one, uh, Aston Martin number two, and McLaren number three. But I'm going to, if I had to pick one, it would be AlphaTauri. Okay, so there. That's my, um, that's my thinking process. Okay. All right. All right. Do you do you want me to tell you at this point, or are you still thinking? No, oh, no. That, that's my answer. So all right. All right. So you are correct about. <laughs> yeah. So you're correct <laughs> about one of them. Do you want to take a guess which one that is? Uh, Alphatari. I'm gonna go with my no. Because no, told me I got it. I'm probably right about the uh, Aston Martin. No, also no. It's McLaren, actually. Oh, I saw I had it right when I was first talking about it. <laughs> yeah, and then you second-guessed yourself. <laughs> well, because you're like, oh, really? Yeah. You tricked me at that point. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly did. Oh, dang it. Because I was thinking McLaren, yeah. Yeah. So bonus points if you can guess the year that McLaren entered the sport. Or at least roughly the year. Uh, you know... Well, that's a good question. Mm. Don't Google it. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm, I I play fair. I, yeah. I I'm sitting on my hands to force myself not to. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go back, McLaren. I'm gonna go back to like the mid '60s. I'll say '65. Wow, you're was... off by one year. It was '66. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so mid '60s. You're right. All right. All right. <laughs> so guess which one is number three then? If McLaren's number two, so it's Ferrari in 1950. Right, McLaren, and then McLaren '66. So who's number three? Let's talk. Let's. I'm going to throw off Atari out there, and you're going to tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not right. (laughs) Okay, who who is it? Um, It is actually. I don't think you're going to guess this one. Uh, It was. Mm. It was very surprising to me. And before I continue, let me say. Oh, you know what? I forgot the most obvious one. It's Red Bull. (laughs) <laughs> ah it's got to be red bull also no because <laughs> red bull bought one of these other older teams they did they did yeah okay, um who? who's, who's so the next yeah one? let me just say real fast though i am not claiming that this is a hundred percent accurate but what i will say is that i spent about an hour and a half two hours going through wikipedia pages and googling extensively to try to chart this out and i think i'm 95 percent right so okay. There's a chance I could be wrong, but best I okay. could tell, the there was a team that started in 1968 called okay. Tyrrell. Do you remember okay. Tyrrell? Yeah. Do you remember who bought them in the 90s? No, I don't. BAR uh, bought them in the 90s in 99. BAR? BAR, yeah. Okay. And do you know who bought BAR in 2006? Honda? Honda. And you know who yeah. bought Honda in 2009? Mm, 2009. Oh. Uh, I got to think about this. It wouldn't have been who bought Honda in 2009. This is a good <laughs> question. Oh, my gosh. It couldn't <laughs> be, you know, because I know Alpine's Renault, Benetton was Renault. Who bought Honda in 2009? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, I keep thinking like AlphaTauri Red Bull for some reason because they wound nope. up with the Honda engines, but, and it wouldn't be Williams. They ran BMW back then. Who? I'm lost. Braun. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Braun bought Honda in 2009. Yes, gosh darn it. I actually knew that. And Mercedes I knew that bought, he bought Braun. Honda and then Mercedes bought Braun. And then yeah. So Mercedes, the team that is currently owned and operated by Mercedes, is actually right. the third oldest team in in F1 right now. Yeah, because you had McLaren Mercedes, and this is a good point. You had a team called McLaren Mercedes, but then you had, um, you know, you had Ross Braun's team, and then mm-hmm. Mercedes came in and bought that team, and then the other team, yeah. Just- to the best of my Mercedes recollection, McLaren. Mercedes was obviously a sponsor and heavily involved with McLaren, but they wanted their own team. And McLaren was like, we're not selling to you. So then Mercedes just went and bought Braun. Right. Um, but so. they had an agreement because you obviously have McLaren now with Mercedes engines. Sure. So. Yeah. They had Renault but for a while. They, but couldn't yeah. use Mer- they couldn't use Mercedes in the name anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So I thought so, that was fascinating. Yeah, that makes that all makes sense. And I think that's interesting for people that haven't thought about it. I don't know. We're geeks. We find F1 yeah. history interesting. <laughs> and I, and people might not even know there's such a history with teams, you know. Yeah. But there is. These teams, it's like there's only so many teams that the FIA has allowed into Formula One. 
And so they do change hands. And when they change hands, they get renamed. Mm -hmm. And it means different things at different times. Like, you know, really how much of an Aston Martin is Aston Martin. (laughs) Yeah. You know, as opposed to being, you know, a Mercedes. Well, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. um, But at the same time, it is it. I find this history interesting. Yeah. And what's even more interesting is how long Williams has been Williams, you know. Yeah, well, that was their number four. I would have sworn when I first posed the question, I was like, well, Ferrari, obviously. And then I was like, it's got to be Williams. But no, it was actually McLaren. And then I was like, "Okay, well, then Williams has to be third. No, it's actually what's currently owned by Mercedes. And then it's Williams. Um, Yeah, I went back in my memory, you know, like when I was I was a a kid kid in the 60s, you know, like I was born in 59. So I was a kid kid, but I always liked racing from my earliest memories on i always followed racing in indy and i were mclaren is just one of those teams that i've been aware of from like indy cars even back to the late 60s early 70s that's kind of what i was using for my you know thought process there you know it's like hmm, i've i'm i've always heard about them yeah yeah so there you go yeah interesting discussion though i like that so yeah so let's run through the last of them really quickly so we're just gonna rapid fire who do you think is right after williams and williams is number four william number four yeah so okay let's well let's go through let's get him in order again because i want to make sure i got it right so we got (laughs) ferrari mclaren and then um who was third mercedes ah really yeah yeah mercedes yeah well it's the team that's currently owned by mercedes but yeah mercedes as a team has only been around since 2010 but right right exactly okay never mind and then and then um, williams and then williams after that red bull i'm gonna go with red bull oh nope they're actually not for a while to be honest okay who? Uh, well, go, go ahead and tell us. Yeah, okay. Because I'm just so, going to be taking random guesses. In 1981, point. there's a team that was created called Tolman. Yes. Tolman was bought by Benetton in... Uh, in ah, so you're going to go with Alpine. In, yep. In 1986, <laughs> they were bought by Benetton. And okay. then Benetton... One of, my favorite, one of my favorite teams in F1 history, like from the 80s. Really? Okay. Yeah. But yeah, then Benetton was bought by Renault. And yep. Renault is the same team. Uh, they were called Lotus for about four years right. in the early 2010s. But then yeah. Renault basically either bought back the controlling stake. I couldn't really figure that out exactly. But they, they basically retook over the team and called it Renault again. And then rebranded as Alpine last year. Yeah. So. yeah. But weirdly, yep. I was curious about this. I was like, wait a second. So what Renault team did Alain Prost win for in the 80s if it if Renault didn't exist at the time well they did Renault that Renault team was established in the late 70s by Renault they ran for several years they won a title or two and then they just shut down they just stopped being a team for some reason yeah Uh, and no one bought them so they they were like they were their own team for a couple of years. They won a title, which is like, why, why would you stop after you did that? Well, but what, what you had back then that we don't have now is similar to NASCAR where you had teams that we had teams in F1 that didn't run every race. That's true. They, they would just, they would run selected races and that doesn't exist nowadays. So yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, at any rate, I thought that was really interesting. And so Alpine is going to be number five then. And then right after yeah. that is your initial hunch about AlphaTauri was actually somewhat accurate, um, though they are on the younger on the younger side, but they still started in 1985 with as that's, Minardi. That's a ways back. That's a ways back. It's a ways back. Uh, yeah. They started as Minardi, and Minardi oh, was yes. the, that's who they were up until they were bought in uh, 2005, 2006, where they became Toro Rosso from from 20 from 2006 through uh, 2019, and then they rebranded AlphaTauri in 2020. Yeah. But they're still yeah. owned by Red Bull. So right, right, yeah. Uh, and then after that, after Minardi is where you get Sauber, which is interesting. Yes. Sauber, which is um, owned by, I forget the guy's first name, but is it Peter Sauber? I don't remember his name. But he owns the team, and it's what's what's Alfa Romeo right now. It's Alfa Romeo Sauber. Okay, okay. Um, so they were just called Sauber up until yes. 2006, where they became BMW Sauber, and then back to Sauber for a few years, and then Alfa Romeo. Yeah. Um, yep. And then after that is then where you get to Red Bull. So they started as Stewart in 97 uh, and, and then became Jaguar in 2000. Stewart became Stewart Haas at some point. <laughs> no, not not that team. Well, th there was a Stewart Haas racing team. There maybe. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Was. But yeah, the the Stewart became Jaguar in 2000 and then the okay. Jaguar was bought by Red Bull in 2005. That's where it comes yep. from. Okay. And then Lastly, that leaves us with Haas. And I was surprised yeah. by this because they actually are technically a brand new team. Um, they bought the headquarters and a whole lot of assets from a pre-existing team, but they have their they have a new license or registry or whatever. So they're technically a brand new team. Um, as of but who dropped off because we've always had 20 cars starting right before. so that was as of 2016 is when Haas was the first thing but they bought um a lot of their assets from it's either Marusa or Marussia it's a, it was a Russian-based team and I don't know how to pronounce uh, their name hmm. uh, but it's M-A and then the word Russia but it's all one yeah. word Marussia I'm just gonna probably, say Marusa probably Marusa Marusa yeah that's what I'm gonna guess but but that even that I don't remember. Marusa. Yeah, they were they were only Marusa for three years, and then before that they were Marusa Virgin, and then it was Virgin Racing, ah. and that was the beginning of it. So they were Virgin oh, in yeah. 2010, and then it was Marusa yeah. Virgin, and then it was Marusa up until 2015, um, yeah. when they folded, and then Haas bought a bunch of their stuff in around 2015 ish, and then started as their own team in 2016. So interesting. Yeah. And that's okay. it. Yeah. That's the whole grid. Well, that's. Oh, I forgot Aston Martin. I, I forgot Aston Martin. How could I forget? Aston Martin was actually earlier than Sauber. I just completely blanked on that one. They started right. in 91 instead of 93 as Jordan. And then ah, in 2006, they became Midland. 2007, they became Spiker. 2008, right. they became. Go. Yeah. 2008, they became Force India. And yep. then. 2019 Racing Point, 2021 Aston Martin. So yeah, there, so you, there go. you go. Yeah, a lot of those names that you mentioned along the way, those are the names. There's a lot of yeah, you know, guys that are in their 50s and 60s and beyond here. They're gonna go. Oh yeah, I, I remember, remember them. Yeah, 
Yeah, those names just ring a bell, a distant bell. But you know, it's, there's a there's a yeah. Jordan was started by I think Eddie Jordan. Is that right? Who was a yeah, big yeah. time F one personality for a while, and he started his own team, and yeah. now it's owned by uh, Aston. Um, and then you have like Tyrrell. Like to me, I was that was the biggest surprise to me was that I've I've watched a bunch of F one highlights and old races from back in the day, and Tyrrell was like always yeah. there. And I'm like, wait, that's currently Mercedes right now. That's that's wild, right? <laughs> so, and yeah. I think what's also interesting is um, there were teams that ran more than two, you know, more than two teams. There, you know, at some points in time, you would yeah. have constructors that ran like four teams. I think once even five or six. Yeah, there was so, a, a, yeah. a lack of consistency around that. It was just kind of like whatever you could do. Some teams only ran one car. Some teams ran three or four. It was just kind of how it was. It, yeah, there weren't, the, the structure wasn't there. The, the heavy rules and structure didn't exist. Yeah. It was Formula One was kind of like, run what you brung. We're going to figure out who's the fastest. Yeah. You know, it was a little bit, you know, <laughs> like the salt flats back then, yeah. you know, and, and which I kind of miss in a way. You know, I wish I miss that, too. Yeah. And maybe we should have a whole discussion topic around that, because I kind of wish there, there was a we'll put that we'll put that on the list for a future discussion. Yeah, topic, you <laughs> we'll know? do that like a free, free, free form formula. One. Yeah. <laughs> what would that mean? But yeah, well, we have rambled on for quite a while. So anything else okay. you want to cover before we sign off? I think we have it back, and um, I, I'm uh, welcoming our new anybody who's new who's finding us on podcast yeah. for the first time. Welcome aboard. Uh, we came over from YouTube, but uh, you know we're primarily going to be a podcast, yeah, uh, platform at this point in time. So there you go. Yeah. So uh, we plan on uh, one episode every week, and uh, yes. next week we will be back after the Japanese Grand Prix and with a discussion topic yet to be determined. So tune in for that and we will see you then. Uh, thanks so much for listening and uh, take care of yourselves.